A car shopping experience meets an out-of-body experience. With 50,000 cars added daily and unbelievably smart matchmaking, the new Cars.com. It's magical. The first time I saw it, I got goosebumps. It was perfect for me. I felt like we could go anywhere together. There's nothing like finding your match on Cars.com. With over 50,000 cars added daily and a powerful advanced search, you're sure to discover the one. Cars.com. It's magical. Click or tap to find your perfect match on Cars.com today. Welcome in, everybody. This is Forging the Falcons on your regularly scheduled 9 a.m. Eastern Wednesday time. I am Scott Kennedy. Uh, I am in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta native, been here 40-something years uh, this on this side over here is Nick Kendall. He is in Seattle. So we are coast to coast with your coverage for NFL football and the Atlanta Falcons. So welcome in everyone. We got a, a good show for you today, I hope. And uh, your participation in the chat will make it even better. So come on in, have something to say, uh, leave a like, a subscribe, a share, bring in more Falcons, more NFL fans, because Nick and I enjoy the process as much as anything and talk a lot of football, fantasy football draft you name it so nick how are you doing this morning i am doing pretty well a little bit uh a little tired but uh overall can't complain um might have to pivot some of my plans for this week with the whole wildfire smoke trying to figure some stuff out there uh not because we'd be in danger of you know being burnt but carrying 50 pounds over 10 miles a day and 3,000 plus elevation gain not great uh when the air quality is above 100 so We'll figure something out, um, but uh, it's it's uh, all good. All good over here. Yeah, well, hell, if it all gets canceled, come on down and see us in uh, in Denver. This is the, the meet and greet weekend for Mile High Huddle. Um, and being that you know we both do some work with the Denver Broncos as well, we've got a pretty good idea of the Seattle Seahawks. So it should be a, you know, a fairly well-informed preview. But again, you never know. Who would have yeah. thought the Falcons would have come back and made it a you know, uh, uh, put a scare into the defending Super Bowl champions after being down 28 to three, you know, so as they say, that's why they play the games for sure. Um, want to talk a little bit of, uh, of power rankings as well. I felt like, uh, there's a little bit of double standard going on in the ESPN power rankings. We'll talk a little bit of Desmond Ritter. When is it time to start seeing Mr. Ritter at quarterback? Could it be this week? Probably not. Could it be as soon as next week, depending on how the game goes this week? Um, we'll see. We'll get into that. Um, we'll talk Drake London. Drake London is in some elite company after just two games. Uh, a pretty interesting stat there. And then where is Kyle Pitts? Hmm. Where is Kyle Pitts? So, um, Nick, just getting started real quick. I, I titled something that, uh, one of our contributors on all Falcons wrote Aiden wrote, he says, good morning, everyone. And Joe Cannon's in here also saying good morning, fellas. Good morning, Joe. Appreciate you being here. Uh, Aiden wrote up the the ESPN Power Rankings article, and I noticed a bit of a double standard in there. Um, not with where the Falcons were ranked. If you think the Falcons are 32 in the uh, in the NFL, so be it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna. But as someone said, "Hey, what do you mean double standard? They finally got it right." I'm like, "Well, it takes two for there to be a double." And for me on there, and you know, not to sound like a bitter Atlanta sports fan, but. I think that the Saints are getting a little bit of a double standard in this one, Nick. Uh, the Falcons, and this, let me drop this in the in the chat here real quick um, for ESPN's power rankings. I like to share the links when I'm talking about them. Um, the uh, the Falcons were 32, so be it. Um, you know, I, I think they're playing better than that, but whatever. Um, you know, not a whole lot better. They're still 0-2. But the Saints went up seven spots after beating the 32 Falcons last year, okay? You beat the team that's 32 and you went up last week, I'm sorry, and you jump up seven spots. Wow. Mm. That's uh, that's pretty impressive, especially since you got your butts kicked for three and a half quarters. Um, and to be fair, they did move the Falcons up a spot. It's like, okay, the Falcons team's better than we thought. So the Falcons go on the road to the Rams and uh, – make a miraculous comeback that falls short against defending Super Bowl champs and your top five team in your power rankings, and you drop them three spots back down to 32. Meanwhile, the Saints go on the road and lose by double digits to the Buccaneers and look pretty bad doing it, and they actually went up, up in the in the power rankings. I'm like, I don't, I don't particularly like that one, Nick. I just I don't like that one. 
Yeah, uh, I guess let me just stand on the other side here, be a Skip Bayless to your uh, Shannon chart. But I thought that the Saints played the Titan, or the, excuse me, the Buccaneers pretty close uh, for most of the game. You know, they had Tom Brady stymied until the very end. So you're kind of talking about uh, three and a half quarters. Mm-hmm. Same thing, similar with that Saints and Buccaneers game. Um, but again, it's it's the power rankings, and we're two games in, and who who you've played makes as much difference as who your team is uh, so far. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. But um, the Falcons team, I think this is a this is a more scrappy bunch uh, than I thought overall heading into the season. For, for them to fight back against the Rams like they did, hats off to them because that was a that had been an easy lay down and die kind of game. So Dan Hansis of NFL.com comes out with his power rankings, and <clears throat> he actually moved the fa- – and again, I don't have any problem to say, listen, the 12th team played really well on the road against the number three team. I think they're better than 12. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. But it, to me, it's always kind of a hybridization of – the college football polls were always trying to hybrid make a hybrid model of standings and power rankings, when really, when it's rankings, they are power rankings – you know, when, when obviously it's like, okay, the 25 team goes on the road as a 17-point underdog to play the number one team, and they lose. They lose by 10, and then they drop out of the rankings. I'm like, why are you dropping them? They were supposed to lose. Yeah. Well, you know, these are these are how they're ranked. So, again, the Saints played well. They played well against the top five team. On the road, lose by 10, you move them up. That's fine. You take the 29 team against a five team, and they come within a possession of winning and you drop them. Okay. That's illogical. Those, those don't, those don't mesh with me. Those that's a double standard. And, and I think I edited into uh, <laughs> one of the editor's comments in there. It's like, it's almost as if he's trying to force feed a pre-existing narrative. This is where I think they should be. This is where I'm going to have them. And I will, uh, I will do things anyway. Uh, Dan Hansis for NFL.com. He says exactly what we have been saying all summer, Nick, talking about, you know, the, the Falcons nearly exercised some demons and stuff, but his final comment was, this is a better Atlanta team than we saw a year ago. Now the Falcons just need to find a path to victory. Uh, I'll put that one in the chat too. That one's from NFL.com. That sounds pretty familiar, Nick. Yeah. It is definitely a more talented team. Got to figure out how to come out a little faster. Didn't uh, and hold on to the games. You, know, you have a little bit of both. If you combine those, you either get a, an amazing game or one of the worst games of the season uh, from the Falcons. But uh, talented team, still some questions there. I thought that in talking about not to pivot too much, but I wouldn't put last week's game on Mariota more so than the defense coming out and still showing a little bit of weakness in the run defense area. You know what's Mariota supposed to do when you're down? 28 to three. Could he be better? Yes, but you're not paying him to be Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. So, uh, defense still has some work. I think that's my biggest takeaway, uh, watching this game and seeing this team young up and coming, but a, a few pieces and growth of your own guys away. Yeah, I agree. Um, like I said, I don't say it's a, an uber talented team. Again, I've been no. harping on the fact that there's $111 million of 210 available on the field, which puts them by far dead last. It'd be nice to have that $100 million on the field. Um, speaking of $100 million, folks coming in the chat want to say a little bit, say hello to them. Dominic coming in. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick and Dog Nation. He says, go dogs. Wow, wow. Um, Michael Rankio joining us from Arizona says, good morning, Scott and Nick on Foraging the Falcons. Go Hawks? Which Hawks? I don't think you're a big Seattle Seahawks fan. I think he's doing it for me. I think that's just uh, Michael yeah, being I mean, super I think nice. That's a hawk eye. You got to be careful when we're talking Seattle Seahawks here, Michael. I, I know you're not the confrontational type. Um, <laughs> I think I think uh, you're, you're looking at a different bird of prey in this, in this uh, area right here. Uh, and, and the thing is, is, they do call them the Hawks up there. That's something you never hear down here because we have the Atlanta Hawks. You yeah. know, the Hawks around here are the Atlanta Hawks. So you never hear the Seahawks referred to as the Hawks except by Seahawks fans. Kind of like the only people that calls the South Carolina Gamecocks USC are South Carolina Gamecocks fan. Everybody else on God's green earth knows who USC actually is. And I'm an I'm a SEC guy. I get it. Yeah. Um, so again, there were in some of those holes that we talked about, Nick. I'm seeing Eric Harris in the flats, um, you know, yeah. 30 plus year old safety out there covering where I should have 
a healthy Isaiah Oliver, but Isaiah Oliver is still not 100% back from his injury. Um, Eric Harris covering the flats is a recipe for disaster. Um, you know, no offense to him, but he is a strong safety-ish type on the backside of his career, and it, he was a journeyman to begin with. Um, that's that's a hole. That's uh, that's one of those where you say, okay, there's a problem. Um, I also still think there's a little bit of a problem on uh, the left side of the defensive line. Yeah. The defensive line uh, still has some issues. I mean, you're looking at some of these young guys, but I thought that, you know, the likes of uh, Ogundeji, he's he's really not a starting quality player out right. there. I mean, rotational, that's fine, but right now mm-hmm. it looks like he's, what was he, a fifth-round pick two years ago? Yep. He looks like a fifth-round pick two years ago. Right. I mean, it's not his fault that he's out there. It's the issue that the roster's lacking that talent, so I'm not going to bury him. Uh, he'd be a fine rotational player. Also thought uh, Lorenzo Carter didn't have the best game out there. Uh, Jalen Hawkins, I mean, just overall this Falcons team needs some young, some of these young guys to step up and uh, get better. Not the best game also from uh, our guy, Grady Jarrett. So, you know, this is the defensive front. It kind of looked a little bit more like last year, a little more scrappy than last mm-hmm. year, which is good. Cause that's improvement. That's what you're looking for this year. And I don't want to be the moral victory guy, but with how this roster is stacked up right now, you know, if you want to have some enjoy this team, you have to look for a little bit of moral victory sometimes. And uh, unfortunately a step back on the offensive line in this week as well which was not to be, un, I guess, maybe a little bit unexpected considering how salty the Saints defensive front is uh, to have them step back. But, you know, the see what did the, uh, the Rams had an extra three days to prepare, licking their wounds after that Buffalo game. I mean, they were going to come in ticked off, and they looked yeah. like it, uh, especially on that defensive front. Yeah, that's not the time you wanted to play the Rams. Um, you know, yeah. and the thing is, is then they came back and made a game of it. I, I, I'm not looking... Part of this is expectations. Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons uh, joined us on Monday. And welcome back, Nick. You missed Monday. And and we talked about, you know, as you're taking away positives from this game, it's like, well, I don't hear moral victories. Well, part of it is where are your expectations to begin with? You know, I think my expectations going into the season was 2-15. and 15. You know, I'm, I'm not going in expecting to beat the Rams on the road. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I thought that, you know, you had a, a better chance to beat the Saints at home. But I picked the Saints that are they're up and down a, a better team, which is going to be the case when you've only got 50% of your salary on the field. I'll say it again. Yeah. You're going to be out talented. <clears throat> You're going to be out depth by almost every single team you play that tells over the course of 60 minutes. But so what are you looking for? I'm looking for the growth of the younger players. I'm looking for Taquan Graham at that left defensive end spot, not three, four, who's playing really well. You mentioned Ogundeji at the end in the first game, Nick, it was almost a two to one in favor of Ogundeji snap count with uh, with um, Ebiketti, and for me, Ogundeji wasn't playing the run very well. Okay, so why do I want him in there then? Yeah. Um, you know, if he's if he's a liability in the run, he's a liability. The snap count went to about just above over fifty percent in favor of Ebiketti in game two. So they're adjusting, and it doesn't have to be a knee jerk. Okay, we got to go 75-25 with our rookie. But I do see the adjustments being made and the, the players coming in. But you mentioned um, Ogundeji <clears throat> you know, being a fifth rounder. Taquan Graham, I think, was in the fourth. Mm-hmm. I, I love the way he's playing. I mean, yeah, I, I really do. So you start looking for growth. Richie Grant, second-year safety. I think he has taken a step up, and he's playing pretty well, too. So those are the kind of things I'm looking for, uh, looking for Nick, along with uh, you know, the young players. So there's, there's plenty of young players to talk about on this team right now. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of young talent. Again, not to harken back on this one, but uh, I was pretty disappointed in the offensive line in this one. Now you're going against the arguably the maybe some of the old heads in here will get irritated at me for saying this, but arguably the greatest defensive player of all time, uh, Aaron, Aaron Donald, given what he's doing at his position as dominant as he is. I mean, he's so far away from anybody else at his spot at a impactful uh, position as well. We can get after the passer and it makes it pretty hard there. And I've, you know, I feel <laughs> bad for Dolman uh, coming out there at the center spot, but I thought Dolman was getting his uh, lunch taken away uh, in this game pretty consistently. Now that doesn't mean that uh, Hennessy would have been any better, but uh, I got it right that time, not Hennessing, but uh, <laughs> Hennessy, but uh, the, you know, the drink, um, but uh, overall the, the intri- Elijah Wilkinson, uh, the center spot and the right tackle, the, the usual suspects, unfortunately, really, in my opinion, took a step back when I watched this game on the first one, especially in that first half. Yeah, and all things considered, though, I thought, I don't know. Again, it's a little bit about expectations. 
Yeah. Um, you know, PFF says the three worst players on offense were Caleb McGarry, Elijah Wilkinson, and Drew Dahlman. I didn't feel <laughs> well, that way. I, no, I, I really, I really didn't. Um, now, did they have trouble moving? Well, yeah, they at, at times yeah. they did, but um, you know, again, I, I think Caleb McGarry is playing at a average to above average level. I think he looks he looks very good, and you know, they had their hands full, and they were moving Aaron yeah. Donald around a little bit, and yeah, and again, one of the old heads. I'm I'm one of those guys, so I'm an '80s kid. You go into the '70s, you might come up with someone else, but an '80s kid's always going to say LT. Yeah, L- LT is the greatest defensive player of all time. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to find a Gen Xer that's going to say really anybody but LT. Um, yeah. He was he was different. Uh, he he was different. Chris Walker coming in on Facebook. Appreciate you coming in, Chris. He says good morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day. People elsewhere love Atlanta, but hate Atlanta sports teams and do their best to diss and dismiss them. I think a lot of it's because it's not the biggest media market. It's top ten media market, Chris. We're up to like eight. Uh, in the country. This this is a big media market. One of the problems is it's been a uh, it's a transition. What's what's the word? You know, migrant. Transient. You know, people move here right. all the time. Yeah. Um, it's a huge, fa- you know, and people bring their previous teams. It was one of the things that made Atlanta United so popular. Nobody was a fan of the Chicago Fire. Nobody's a fan of the New York Red Bulls. They come mm-hmm. here, but everybody could be a fan of the of Atlanta United. So it was one of the one of the reasons uh, they're so popular, but we are a top eight media market in Atlanta right now. Um, the problem is, is the sports franchises have been so bad. Uh, who has been the best franchise in, 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 uh, Atlanta sports since its inception? That's easy. The Atlanta Braves, yeah. the Atlanta Braves were trash in the seventies and eighties. Also horrible nineties that turned around. And you look, <clears throat> the Superstation helped with that on a national level, Channel 17. You, you, you might not remember the Superstation, Nick, but the Cubs TBS. and the Braves were on, were on every cable station um, across the, the United States. So lots of Cubs and Braves fans national uh, across the nation. Oh, um, man, I hate them. <laughs> but the Falcons haven't sustained that success in order to get the bandwagoners and hold them. And people come to this town, fans of the Giants, fans of the Jets, fans of the Steelers, um, you know, I, my parents moved me from Ohio when I was five, uh, you know, our, our rivalries when I was in elementary school, wasn't Georgia, Georgia tech or any like that. It was freaking Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio state because of everybody that had fled. And right now it's going on again and I'll get off this in a second. Right now it's going on again, um, with the, the folks fleeing their lockdown States. I've seen more New York and California tags down here in the last year, 18 months than I have since I left New York and California. So there's another influx coming right now. So it is a big media market and it's getting bigger. It is. It's getting bigger. Now yeah. win the win the bandwagon and and uh it'll be just fine. But you know, who's gonna respect the the Atlanta Falcons right now? Yeah, and uh, Dave got the right word here. Uh transient. Not to show off my Seattle Pacific Northwest vibes here, but uh the reason I know this word is because the orca pods up here in the uh, San Juan Islands, you have the residents the ones that live there all year again, the transient population. Um, so uh, cool. The drifters, the drifters. Yeah. If you ever get a chance to come up to uh, Seattle land for a summer weekend, head up to the San Juan islands and uh, do a orca cruise. Cause it is pretty, pretty incredible to see a couple pods there. You've, you've heard me. I, I, I will, we'll do, we'll do that. I love it's amazing. the nature <laughs> stuff and the killer whales. They're not called nice guy whales. You know, no. they're, they're cruel there. Yeah. I think they're the baddest things on the planet. Um, yeah. As far as like, they're amazing animals. <laughs> no registered attack on humans, which is wild because they could <laughs> absolutely rip somebody apart. They're but, super uh, smart. And I yeah. mean, anyway, yeah, um, really cool. Where was I going with this? And then I'll get <laughs> going back to um, going back to. Oh, I say I, I, you've heard me say before. I don't trash talk because I don't take it very well. Man, if you're in Atlanta and I'm wearing a, a Falcons shirt or something or anything like that, and someone says something to me about it. You know, oh, Falcons, you know, you know, you're wearing, I'm wearing my, my New England Patriots shirt. It's like, you know, that's when I start getting a little nasty because I grew up with that crap in the 80s mm-hmm. with the bad teams. You'd go to the Braves games and there was 15,000 people of them and 10,000 were Mets fans. Let's go Mets. And that's when the Mets were good. I hated the Mets. Yeah. It's like, listen, you got a problem with a local guy supporting his local team. You can take your happy ass back to wherever you came from. That's when I start getting a little nasty. Yankee doodle dandy, right? No. Um, so, yeah, no. Uh, back to the game, though, and the Falcons in general. 
uh, this team. And we got a bunch of people coming in. AE, what's up? Good to see FC Donnelly. Dave's in the house. Smart Ride, you guys need a morning show name. We do have a morning show name. It's uh, Forging the Falcons. But, yeah, uh, I think he means something maybe a little more specific. Okay. You know, Broncos for Breakfast is a morning show name. Oh, um, I got gotcha. you. Know, falafels with the Falcons, you know. <laughs> Frappuccino Falcons. That's more of a Seattle kind of thing. <laughs> so, uh, and that's where he comes in here and says, that yeah. we, you know, we'll, we're up for, we can change these around. You know, I've got one for, you know, behind enemy lines when I, when I interview um, players from the other side of things. AE coming in, he says, what's up? FC Donnelly coming in. So it looks like it looks like the the algos are starting to reach some folks out there as people are starting to flood in. So hit that like, subscribe, and share button. Make sure you get those alerts mm. when you come in and help us for help us find uh some more folks. Uh Dirty South, the Dirty South talk. Yeah, that one might get flagged, but um, I know the uh Dirty South soccer is is uh Atlanta United on SB Nation. So I know they've got the the Dirty South in there too. So uh, who let Flap. the birds out morning show? <laughs> I was like flapjack. You know, Falcons. Hey, when you listen to this after the fact, throw them in the comments, you yeah. know, come in, come and throw them in the comments. Uh, we're, it could be basically forging the Falcons is the overview. Kind of like mile high huddle is the overview, but we're Broncos yeah. for breakfast on mile high huddle. So forging the yeah. Falcons could be the, the, the big one. And then we, we name the different shows. So I'm, I'm all about it. I'm, I'm yeah. all about it. Um, Getting back on on topic here a little bit with young players, and Paul Jones comes in and says, how do you think the Falcons will try to involve Kyle Pitts more? Man, this is a uh, – Paul, I'm in your boat because I drafted Kyle Pitts in the fifth round, and he's given me like two points a game uh, so far. I'm not trading him. I've had like four trade requests come in for him this week. I'm not stupid. <laughs> I'm going to hold on to him. But uh, how do the, Kyle, the Falcons get Kyle Pitts more involved? I think you need to get some shot plays out there for him. You need to have written in the game script. You know, this is a play action drop back. And if you have this coverage, you are taking a shot. You have a guy with an alien wingspan out there that could honestly be the single best X receiver in football coming up here. You need to get him some targets down the field. And especially in the NFL where you have spot fouls for pass interference. I mean, the Broncos, the last couple of weeks, Cortland Sutton's drawn like four pass interferences that has accumulated like 80 yards and some of these aren't even, you know, the best decisions or throws, but you're giving your big receiver out there who has that inherent advantage down the field. More good is going to happen than not when you isolate that against single high coverage. So how do you get Kyle Pitts more involved? I think you just need to have some drawn up plays like this is a Kyle, unless you're going up against a cover four look here or a cover two look, or he's doubled which means then you go to the check down or this other read, toss it up to number eight out there because he's going to come down with it 75% of the time. It's either going to be a catch or a pass interference 75% of the time. Yeah. He's, he's six foot six has a almost an, like a seven and a half foot wingspan. I mean, it's he's a basketball it's, player. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's the, the longest wingspan recorded in 30 years for a tight end or wide receiver. Um, you know, throw them open, you know, um, you know, one of the first things I thought of, uh, Nick, was, you know, put him in motion a little bit, you know, uh, motion him some. You, you already talked about dropping him in the slot. You know, if you, you have you, you have trouble getting a guy open, you put him in the slot. There's there's more things to do. Um, let's see. Uh, Joe comes in. He had the comment right here. He says, Mariota doesn't look his way when he's open. There have been some breakdowns on on some things like this where, you know, Kyle Pitts is open and he's just he's not getting the ball right away. For, for a reason, but Nick, you've heard me say that an NFL quarterback, hell, even a good college quarterback, if you watch them, five-step drop, set foot throw, it is a completion on the first read. It's a completion 95% of the time. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, it's a, it's an easy rhythm. one, two, three, you know, five steps, set foot, throw, first read, all in rhythm. 95% of the time it's completion. Why is that? Well, because that's your first read. So Kyle Pitts needs to be the first read on a lot more things. One, two, three, four, five, Kyle Pitts. No or yes. <laughs> if it's a yes, turn mm -hmm. it loose. If it's not, then then we'll start, you know, checking down just a little bit. Um, but yeah, he, he definitely needs to get more involved. That said, we were talking about some young players. And uh, and Jeremy Sean comes in real quick on YouTube. Says, good morning, Phyllis. Stopping by and hit a like and... Push that, uh, push that, that, that Google love. Oh, appreciate it, Jeremy. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, Drake London. So uh, Brad, and I forget his last name. I'll, 
I'll, I'll share the screen. Uh, give give Brad a little love from PFF from Pro Football Focus. Um, let me share this screen here real quick. Share screen. He uh he came up with an interesting stat here that was kind of cool. I mean, it's one of those. It's like okay, that's that's really stretching it here. But of wide receivers that are uh, 21 years old and had 150 yards or more in their first two games, first two professional games, he joins this list. Stefan Diggs, Deshaun Jackson, Randy Moss, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Jamar Chase, and DK Metcalf. There's two others there that kind of flamed out that I wrote up about. Um, but DeAndre other than Hopkins that, that's about an 8 out of 10 uh, hit rate on yeah. those. Yeah, that's no, a good company to have. Uh, he's been great so far. I know that you were pretty skeptical of a top eight pick at the wide receiver. Still am. Yeah, yeah. Still, still am. But so far, I mean, two games, sample size. Also, I mean, you've probably seen what's going on in Denver right now with just Sutton and the weapons kind of falling apart and across the league. I mean, if you don't have – it takes a team no matter what, but wide receiver is emerging as one of those positions that needs to be in the same light as offensive tackle, cornerback, edge rusher so uh, especially with how they're getting paid i mean <laughs> unbelievable i guess the jags look pretty good actually with christian kirk out there but uh i digress um yeah he's uh he's been incredible so far i like that they're getting him involved i do think and i haven't gone back and watched broken down the falcons all 22 but my my gut would be on this the falcons are probably seeing a lot more attention towards kyle pitts given mm -hmm. what he did last season and then drake london has been the big beneficiary if he keeps carving them up you're going to see a little bit of more ebb and flow on that right. right now. Or if the Falcons even had one more weapon there, then you couldn't be so uh, stuck on stopping Kyle Pitts. But it seems like Kyle Pitts is being a, what's the word I'm looking for right now? A distraction? A, a little bit. Decoy. That's the word. Yeah, yep. he's a, he's a, he's a decoy. And, and, and that will get old for him. That's when guys start saying he's in his second year already. You know, this yeah. year's a bit of a throwaway year. This is one of the reasons why I didn't want to take a pass catcher last season. This year's his first year was a throwaway year. His second year is a throwaway year. His third year. Now you're into year three and you're building up in earnest where the check mark should be going in the right direction. Now you're in year three. You know, is he going to want the good thing is. Arthur blank hasn't lost many players that he's wanted to keep. <laughs> mm. Unfortunately, they've overpaid guys that they probably should have let go. But you know, if this was, you know, 1980s, early 1990s, Deion Sanders era, you know, those, and before any good player, like a Kyle Pitts was gone as soon as his rookie contract was up. Um, you know, and that's what worried me. It's like, by the time you can take advantage of Kyle Pitts and Drake London, this team, it's, they're going to be three, four years into their contracts. You know, are you going to be able to keep them around? Um, but, you know, yes, I, I I was not a fan of the Drake London pick for those reasons that I was just saying. You know, you, you've got big problems in other places where the – what difference does it make if I, you know, put a supercharger on my engine if I don't have any tires? My tires are flat. Um, but, but the other scoutism I've used a zillion times is – it's not the players you miss that you don't take that that hurt you. It's the players that you take and can't play that hurt you. And right now, Kyle Pitts can play. Drake London looks, the early returns are really good. Looks like he can play. You yeah. keep stacking up good players. You'll be just fine. So that's the more important thing uh, As the, instead of the position is keep stacking good players. Um, and, and the first round picks so far from, from, uh, Terry Fontenot have been, been solid, been, been very solid, but yes, I think the whole world thinks Kyle Pitts should be getting the ball more. Yeah. I, I got lucky this week cause I had, uh, Jalen Waddle and, uh, Lamar Jackson go off. So I was doing okay, but, uh, Kyle Pitts step on up buddy. And I think it's coming. Uh, it's a matter of time here. You're coming up against a Seahawks team this week that is wanting to play more cover two. uh, match quarters with too high safety shell, whatever you want to call it, whatever the, the actual coverage is. And that should lend itself to more less deep targets, but more middle of the field work mm -hmm. and uh, crossing routes specifically. And you got Kyle Pitts there who is, you know, six, six, two fifty. get that guy some crossing routes or some drags or something. Quick slant, letting, you know, quick, yeah. anything, a, a little, yeah. a little button hook seven yards and yeah. let somebody let a linebacker try and tackle him. Yep. You're dragging um, him for seven more yards minimum. 
Yep, 100%. And the, the Seahawks also are playing two rookie cornerbacks now. Tariq Wollin, fifth-round pick, who we both liked coming out of UTSA, has been really good uh, so far this season. But Kobe Bryant, last year's Jim Thorpe Award winner, which scratch my head on that one, but uh, has been just okay. And the Seahawks team specifically, the front seven has, outside of Cody Barton, has not been super impressive. So uh, hopefully you'll see Kyle Pitts uh, get a little bit more involved and Drake London get involved as well. So let's... Let's let's kind of we're we're halfway in here. We've we've hit on a bunch of a bunch of topics we wanted to hit in, and we've kind of scratched the surface on the Seahawks game. Um, but yeah, I want to I want to get into the Seahawks game as well, and and specifically as Richie Rich comes in here, he says if we lose the Seahawks, we have to start Desmond Ritter, right? I don't know, have to obviously you know always hedge, but at zero three, you know, and it's like oh, I can't lose the Seahawks, can't lose the Seahawks. We, we're underdogs. <laughs> the Falcons are underdogs going to Seattle. It's a two point game. But um, you are underdogs. The Seahawks can play some pretty good defense. And Geno Smith has been efficient enough where he can hurt you just by dinking and diamond. You know, just throwing, just throwing what you what you take him. So you're going to have to bring some pressure. You're going to have to get some pressure on him uh, and hopefully get a takeaway. Or he will eight yards you. And that's kind of what I'm thinking about Kyle Pitts. You know, one catch for eight yards for Kyle Pitts is okay. Every, every catch doesn't have to be 25 yards downfield. So... Um, you know, that is the kind of game plan that they will have. And then they're going to play some pretty good defense. Their offense is bad. It Mm -hmm. it is. It's bad. They haven't scored a point, an offensive point, Nick, since the second quarter of game one. The Broncos shut them out in the second half. And they, they, uh, the 49ers shut them out. Uh, The 49ers defense shut them out last week. So this is a beatable team. It is. It's definitely a beatable team. But can you go on the road to Seattle Back-to-back West Coast road trips. Guys, those airplane trips take some starch out of you. I don't care how strong and in condition these cars guys are. 3,000 miles, you know, what's that? Going back and forth, 12,000 miles in seven days on airplanes. That that wears you out a little bit. So, again, that's that's one of the reasons, you know, as, uh, as Dan said on NFL, where I posted the link earlier, this is a better Atlanta team than we saw a year ago. Now the Falcons just need to find a path to victory. Can they find that in the great Northwest 3,000 miles away? It's tough. It's tough on the road up there. Yeah, especially if it's going to be smoky, unfortunately. Jason L coming in saying Seahawks game is going to be pretty tough. It's super loud there. It is super loud there. I was there two weeks ago uh, when the Broncos lost to the Seahawks. I don't think it's going to be nearly that loud, especially after the Seahawks got pounded by the 49ers last week. If the Seahawks were 2-0, and you might see a little bit more uh, vigor um, from the fans, and they'll still be loud, but I got to say, and this is an unfair, um, this is me just trying to insult the Seahawks here, but I've been to some Big Ten stadiums that were definitely more ruckus and louder uh, than what I saw in Seattle, but it was definitely the loudest NFL stadium I have been in. Uh, so credit to them in that one. How do you how do you negate the noise uh, in that situation, Scott? What is your opinion on the best way to make sure that the crowd is not as in it or it's not impacting you like it uh, seemed to the Denver Broncos offense? An early lead, yeah. You know, get an early lead. Um, you know, that was one of the things about the 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 Broncos game, and this is the last one of the reasons we're talking about the Broncos game is well, we know it, but yeah. two, it was the last home game, so this is an yeah. apples to apples comparison. They the Broncos kicked off. They went right down to scored, yeah. you know, so they, the Seattle was ahead first drive and the, the team was in it. And again, they won't, they won't have as much anger <laughs> towards or will to win the fans as much juice in them as they did against, you know, the Rust Bowl, which is actually what Dan calls it in this power rankings uh, column he says, Hey, we'll always have the Rust Bowl. Um, but yeah, it, it is going to be tough. You know, it is going to be a tough game. Um you know, again, can you, if you can get a lead, you know, play with a lead and, you know, Jameis Winston has made a living of carving up the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Geno Smith is not Jameis, is a good Jameis. Geno Smith's best is not as good as Jameis Winston's best. We saw Jameis Winston's best in the fourth quarter of the Saints and Falcons. I mean, just gorgeous throws downfield, big chunk plays, 25, 30 yards at a time. Geno Smith isn't built to bring a team back like that. You know, knock on wood. I know it's the Falcons. I know, Scott, what are you saying? I know, I know, I know. Get a lead. 
get a lead on these guys, make him throw the ball and, uh, you know, come out fast and that, that crowd will settle down quickly. You let them become a factor by running the play clock down to one pre-snap penalties, every false start, delay a game, illegal motion, illegal set, all of those pre-snap penalties, man, that's fuel to the fire for a, for a crowd because they know they're making a difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Chris comes in saying Falcons are staying in Washington this week instead of going home. That makes sense. Playing in LA. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Up in Washington. Actually, one of my good friends that lives up here, he's working with the Falcons uh, equipment people to, he works for Penske, getting the equipment to the stadium, contracting with the Falcons. So I was like, hey, snag me a Kyle Pitts helmet. Nobody will ever know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> that'd be great. Um, but no, uh, yeah, they're staying out here. That makes a lot of sense. Why would you fly back to Atlanta? Yeah, when that that makes sense. That'll help. That will help for sure. Um, you know, being on the road for a week can be tough, but that's that's definitely smarter um, <clears throat> to do that. It's more like a baseball road trip, um, which by the end of those baseball West Coast swings, they all they want to do is come home. Um, <clears throat> but the question here, you know, what is what does Mariota have to do to hold off if they're zero and three and he plays okay again? One of the problems I see with Mariota is he plays, they're moving the ball. He looks good. Okay, this is a quarterback. Boom disaster play that's what seems to be in one game i didn't watch him that much and in, in, when he was in tennessee i'll be honest you know and what we saw at oregon was a different animal that was a heisman trophy guy but what i see is good play bracketed by disaster plays you know there's a there's a high variance there with Mariota, and one two more of these disaster plays it helps cost a game and oh and three Arthur Smith doesn't really want to play a rookie, I don't think. But would he? Would he at this point? It's hard to say. I think that just looking at the Falcons' schedule, Mariota is not the answer, but he's also not the problem right now. You paid him all that money, and also it seems like in that locker room, they really do like Mariota. So I, if this team was losing because of him, like outright just incompetence, I think you'd see a little bit more push for that. But the games I've watched, it doesn't look like pure Mariota incompetence that is losing this team the game. It's that this last week, the offensive line was not getting much push. The run game wasn't existent there. The three guys who listed the worst scored on PFF did not have great games. And then the defense gave up 31 points. And then the defense is still a ways off. I think the defense is the biggest issue on this team still. So you do want to gather information on Ritter, but you also want to feel the pulse of the team. You don't want to put Ritter out there too soon as well and also you know it'd be great if Ritter comes out there and takes the takes off and becomes like you know the next Dak Prescott you know day two day three level quarterback that becomes a starter uh, maybe dr- should have been drafted maybe should have been drafted over Kenny Pickett given uh, how bad Mitch Trubisky's looked so far in comparison to even Mariota but I think looking at the Falcons schedule unless you're talking about you know just absolutely offensive incompetence games that I have circled just looking at here week eight against the Carolina Panthers. That one sticks out to me. And also week 11 against the Chicago Bears. Uh, two home games that are about halfway through the season. You're still going to give him plenty of time uh, to prep and also kind of get a good sample size on him, get a good read in some competition there where you at least should have somewhat of a small landing. Yeah, I think it'd be a little too That's soon right. also at 0-3. Um, it's not quite I've given up hope yet. I mean, Falcons fans may have, um, but, you know, Falcons fans start with just a little bit of hope every season anyway. Um, I've used the uh, Lucy yanking the ball away from Charlie uh, from Charlie Brown more than once to, to open the season. But, um, you know, I think you hit on it, Nick, talking about those games. You know, what's the record? Because, again, you're, you're looking at this. It's like, okay, if you're at Seattle Seahawks, you're not favored in that game. Cleveland Browns at home, you're not going to be favored in that game. At Tampa Bay. Come on. You San might be Cleveland. at home. You You're might not be, gonna be favored in that game at Cincinnati Bengals. Who knows what that team could look like in a week? You never know. But then yeah. week eight, Carolina Panthers, maybe Los Angeles Chargers week nine. I mean, you hear the schedule. I mean, you, this is what I'm talking about, y'all. It's not that this this team is better. Oh, this team's better. They were seven wins last year. They should be 10 this year. No, this team is better. The schedule is a lot harder. It is a lot harder this year. Last year's schedule was a joke. Because the Falcons were bad. They were really bad and were able to get out seven year, seven wins, which should give you hope. It's like, okay, I like the way this team plays in crunch time, how they, you know, seven and two in one score games. I like that. Um, 
but this is a tough schedule. This is, and I, Ritter has been trending. I don't know about y'all, but on my timeline on, on Twitter, Ritter has been trending all week. Um, the calls for him are only going to get louder. Um, how much will the media ask him? How much will the media push Arthur Smith? Probably not a ton. Careful. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably not a ton, but the talk shows and all the chatter that surrounds um, definitely will. And, and as, as Dave says, the problem is QBs in 2023. You're right, Dave. This is a really good-looking class of quarterbacks in 2023, Nick. So what do you do? Well, you know, do you what do you, do you know what you have if he doesn't get eight games under his belt? If you like a guy in the draft, you take him. Um, it's it's not a fair league. It never should be a fair league. Uh, you got to go out there and get your guy. Obviously, Ritter could end up being the answer still, but we have a lot of data based on the last, especially the last decade, where quarterbacks that aren't drafted in the first round have very long odds of hitting the league. I think the only one I can think of that really hit and became a, you know, quality second contract caliber quarterback that I can think of out of the last 10 drafts is Dak Prescott. Um, there might be somebody else there that I'm missing right now, but the, that's, that's Russell Wilson's close on that. He's over a decade though. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's 10 years. So is he 11 in? Yeah. And Kirk cousins also a little bit on the other end of that. So just missing that, but I can't really think of any other, quality starters uh in that range so and that doesn't mean Desmond Ritter can't because there's always exceptions and uh right. maybe he should have been drafted earlier than he was but uh you shouldn't be banking on that and that's another reason people want to see him out there but exactly start him. and that's kind of the Falcons point Nick yeah is when we're I mean Falcons fans this you know this yeah. this group's point is listen what are we playing for Hurts. there's another one Jalen Hurts uh a little bit early to crown Hurts second contract guy but man he looks really good out there to be fair, man, that Eagles roster around him might be one of the best in football this season, uh, especially that offensive line. God, they looked so good on the offensive line this last week. But the, yeah, Jalen Hurts is another one. Uh, Addison coming in with a uh, $4 super sticker. Thank you, uh, Addison, for breaking the ice for us today. It's a, a good chance to give a reminder that, you know, if you want to help support the show, stars on Facebook and super chats, super, uh, super stickers, um, are ways you can help do that. Uh, you know, we love you being here, but um, again, if you want to help support the show, like Addison just did, he did it on YouTube with a super sticker. You can do super chats. And then on Facebook, both channels, if you're watching it on either channel, they are both enabled for stars. So uh, big help to the show helps us keep going, helps keep the lights on, keep my forehead um, nice and shiny. Um, Dave comes in, he says, let's face it, I've come to grips that Grady Jarrett might not be able to string two good games back-to-back. -back. Hello, Jalen Carter. It, as we, Dave, as we move down, as the losses start piling up, if they do, we're going to start diving more into draft. Week two might be a little early. You know, hey, Will Anderson. Uh, hey, Bryce Young. Because right now the Falcons have the number one pick after two weeks. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and Grady... Grady needs help out there. Um, they're not playing as much base three, four. He is playing inside a little bit more, but again, he's when I'm watching him, he's doing really well, but you can scheme one guy, you know, he he's going to need some help. It's two on the outside. We got a journeyman edge to his right in Lorenzo Carter. I got a second year, fourth or fifth round draft pick and take Graham. I got a guy we signed off the practice squad and Anthony rush next to him and a rookie. On the, on the other side, there's your front five. So that's the, the, the negative look at things. You know, I could say, okay, I got a rookie second rounder with a ton of upside and a second year player playing his lights off and Graham and man, did they miss on rush? But the reality is rookie second year, fifth round pack draft pick practice squad, Grady Jarrett journeyman. There's your front five. Yeah. So if you're able to target Grady Jarrett out of the game, I'll never forget last year, Nick. I'll have to look it back up. I think I saved it somewhere. He he got he was triple teamed and he was mic'd up. And he goes, he goes, damn, don't y'all have anybody else to block? No. <laughs> no, we don't. No. <laughs> yeah. And uh AE saying he's an edge and a tackle. Are you talking who are we talking Grady about? Grady Jarrett. Grady Jarrett. I, I think he's he in he's not an end. It, it, three four. He plays a lot of end, but I think he is a better tackle. I agree with you. 
Um, his best spot is the three technique where yeah. he can is a, is get his best spot. His best spot's a four, three defensive tackle. Um, he plays when, when they're in a base three, four, he's playing the end, never edge. So if I said edge, uh, I apologize. The two edge guys are Lorenzo Carter, Ogun Deji backed up by, uh, and then Evic in there. I actually can't even think D'Angelo Malone played, yeah. uh, played the edge. So you had two rookies, a fifth round pick and a journeyman is your edge. And the thing that's scary is that's a huge upgrade yeah. <laughs> over yeah, last it season. <laughs> it is about to, yeah, no, this is not getting too far ahead here with the draft, but I think right now, you know, what are we three weeks into the college season, but it seems like there are two crown jewels uh, in this draft class at the non quarterback position in Will Anderson, uh, obviously the edge rusher from Alabama. If you can get him, I think you take him and uh, Jalen Carter, who was, in my opinion, the most impressive defensive lineman on that Georgia defense last year, which is incredible. Uh, saying something, Trevon Walker, probably the best athlete at the most valuable position. I digress though. Uh, so if you can get a top two pick out of either of those guys, definitely want to run with that other names that I would keep an eye on. Uh, the one that makes me, I'm really curious about what the Falcons do with tackle with Grady Jarrett. Uh, Cause there are some tackle options that would be interesting, but with the way, uh, excuse me, uh, with the way Caleb McGarry is playing, maybe that's a, uh, becomes a different discussion, but really it's the defense, man. It's all about the defense. Miles Murphy, edge rusher. Uh, you got a couple cornerbacks, maybe make it interesting as well. Cam Smith from South Carolina and uh, another Clemson defensive lineman, Brian Brees. So we'll see. And I sent you a couple of clips. Did you hint, see the, uh, the Florida guy at all I that did. I sent you? I man, did. He's like I six, did. six. Um, you know, he's, he's an interesting uh, no, tool. To I, again, growing up in the eighties, it's one of the reasons I do what I do. People say, Hey, how'd you get into this? I, I grew up in the eighties. The Braves were a hundred game, less than a million fans a year, all, all through my growing up years. I did ages seven to 17 in the eighties. I am a child of the freaking eighties. The Braves were awful. The Falcons had one winning season, 1980. So I became a fan of the process of the, the draft of the minor leagues of all those things. And for this coming season, it's exciting for the Falcons. They're going to have a ton of money and should have at least one high draft pick uh, up there, depending on what they do with that. So it should be it should be exciting. Some good questions coming in here that I definitely want to get to. We're at 45 minutes. And we don't have to get out of here. Nick, you can, you know, when, whenever you're ready, but we'll go uh, the full hour and I can stick around a little bit longer if need be as these as these questions start coming in. So get them in. Uh, but Dave has a question that's, oh, and I, I, I highlighted that question from Albert or that comment from Albert. He says the knight needs to make an appearance. Um, Ritter is Dutch for night. So Albert, our resident Dutch expert uh, is saying that, you know, he's, he's Desmond Knight. I like that. I do. I, I like that. There's some that beats better than, you know, flop or e-tron, you know, the Audi e-tron. I don't know if you've heard this story, Nick, but the Audi e-tron is their new electric and Tron is French for turd. So, <laughs> so much better to have night. I like that a lot better. But Dave has a question here that scares the bejesus out of me, Nick. It says, how soon do the Falcons start looking for their future left tackle? Those restructures could be costly to the roster building. Yeah, you have a lot of cap that's going to become available here pretty soon with a wealthy owner. So, and it depends what you do with the quarterback position, but I think the direction of this Falcons team is probably a rookie passer and you have some weapons that are really cheap as well. So the, I was just looking at Jake Matthews contract uh, and it looks like earliest you can get out of it is after 2023. So that makes it seem like this draft class, probably not super likely uh, to move on. And it's after 2023. So before the 2024 season, a lot of it will come down to how you feel about this tackle's ability to play guard or right tackle early if you did draft one, and uh, then maybe kicking over to left tackle. Left tackle, right tackle, I think it's a little bit overrated. Uh, I know that the left tackles make slightly more money, but it seems like a lot of the elite pass rushers are going up against right tackles these days, so you need to have two, <laughs> one of each on both sides that are pretty good. Uh, so how soon would they start looking left tackle? Maybe this year, but it'd be like a three-year plan uh, to get him out there, you know, 2024, 2025. Uh, and I have to figure out somewhere else on the offensive line for a bit. But with Matthew's restructure, he's here to stay for at least, I think, two more years. Here's the problem I have with this. Uh, he, two more years for sure. And this is why it scares me, Nick. You mentioned, okay, you can get out of it after, <clears throat> if you let it play out, if you let his contract play out, um, he will be, 
after the 2023 season, he'll be 31 years old during that. So he's he's getting there. You can play longer than that as an offensive lineman, that's for sure. <clears throat> but you're starting to knock on the door of when you're going to start seeing a decline. The His cap hit for next year, and there should be plenty of money, so maybe you can eat this cap hit, but his cap hit for next year is $34 million. Do you know what the highest cap hit for a left tackle is in the NFL this year? It's 21. It's 21. I have a hard time seeing that they're going to let a left tackle with a $33 million cap hit next year. Do you know who that who has the highest cap hit and left tackle in the entire NFL right now? My guess would be Trent Williams. Garrett Bowles, Denver mm. Broncos. So mm. <clears throat> it could be one of those Matt Ryan things where Garrett Bowles is okay, but he gets a lot of stick because he's the highest paid guy in the league. You know, he's, you know, he's not bad, but he's not, you're not getting your value. So why I say, is this a concern is because they're going to say, all right, we can restructure again and clear up $15 million in cap space and kick that $33 million, $40 million dead cap hit down the road a little bit. Eventually that bill comes due. It comes due. So Knowing that this is a rebuild and you should have plenty of money um, available anyway, and you're not, you know, okay, we're not $15 million away from making the Super Bowl. Yeah. Eat it. Take it. Take the cap hit. Take the cap hit next year at $33 million with Jake Matthews because then you are done. You are done with all of your bad contracts. It goes from the next year, the year after that, when you say there's a potential out, his cap hit goes to 18 in 2024 with his dead cap hit of seven and a half. That means you're vulnerable. That means that's when you have flexibility with the player's contract at, at uh, you know, a $34 million cap hit with a $31 million dead cap, get dead cap number next year. You don't have flexibility and you're paying him about 50% more than the next highest guy. Yeah. Are you going to do that? Will they do that? Or are they going to restructure and just wait for it to come due again? That's a that's a big, big question going into this year. So, Dave, good question. That's why it scares me, because this is the last of the bad contracts that will be on the books. Matt Ryan's is gone. Julio Jones's is gone. Um, Deion Jones's will be gone next year. Those contracts, the, the, th- the four bad ones where you're way upside down on them, where those three and Jake Matthews, there's only one left. If you can stomach a $34 million cap hit next year while he's still playing at a decent level, you can be done with your bad contracts. Done. Wouldn't that yeah. be nice? Yeah, that's probably the way to do it. And that's another reason that you look at the cheap, you're saving on the quarterback. It's like you're paying a little bit for, you have a clunker of a car for a little bit. Um, but you are taking a couple of uh, incredible vacations. You know, your budget still comes out to about normal. Maybe you would rather be paying a quarterback than the left tackle. But uh, for one season, you're still going to come out even uh, in that area. So we'll see. And again, he's a competent left tackle. He's not amazing, but he's probably, you know, right around that top 15 uh, tackles in football, top 20 tackles in football. And uh, those guys are very valuable because if you have, if you have crap out there, you're going to get killed. Um, So, um, uh, I think you probably just take it next year and maybe continue to add the offensive line. It'd be at, it'd be really important to add somebody with some versatility in that, uh, in that case. But right now, this, this, the way this Falcons team is lining up, it screams to me, defensive line, edge rusher, cornerback, if not quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And we'll get to, um, uh, Richie rich or Joe has a good, there's a good question here about cap space and team building. I'm going to get to before we get out of here too. And how to use it because I, I agree with it. But Mark Turner says I want to see the the Anderson twins out there, uh, Abdullah and Troy. Um, I've I've talked up Abdullah Anderson for a month now. Um, he gets out there and, and and he's yo-yoed on the roster, off the roster. I I talked about him as a surprise cut when he didn't make it, make the fifty-three, re-signed to the practice squad, then cut again, and then brought back. He's finally elevated to the 53 this week. So he was on the practice squad. He was a flex. And when he was out there, he played in the fourth quarter. This is crunch time in the comeback. And Abdul Anderson and Troy Anderson are both on the field. And they're both making a difference, a big difference. They played about 20 snaps combined after playing zero in week one. And rookie Troy Anderson and his athleticism 
that burst he has to get off the field. I don't care if nobody blocks you. It's hard to block a punt. You know, it, even coming straight up the middle untouched to get there in time shows you've got some athleticism. Um, and Rashawn Evans was playing himself out of position. As Joe Cannon says, will we see Troy Anderson soon? Evans has been caught out of position, both the run and the pass. Yes, he has when he's over pursuing and allowing the cutback lanes to come up. Kind of like Ogun Deji. Well, Ogun Deji's out there because he stops a run. No, he doesn't. He's not. He's a liability against a run. Rashawn Evans is supposed to be out there to make sure that stuff doesn't happen. So if it's happening, man, give me my rookie who's running a four-something out there who's 245 pounds of wrecking ball. Yeah. No, I, you want to see Troy Anderson out there soon. You just wonder if, given his positions that he's played so much, you know, quarterback, running back, linebacker, that at uh, at what was it, Montana State, if it's too much right now for him. I mean, linebacker is a position that is neck up. I mean, the elite, it's like quarterback in a way where, you know, if you have like the athleticism, the build, the arm talent, that's all great. But if you don't possess it from the neck up or things are going, the game is too fast for you when you're young, you, you're better to sit on them, in my opinion, for a little bit uh, than let them get uh, exposed out there. So, yeah, Evans is being caught out of position, but I th- I think I trust the coaches and I trust Dean Peace to get Trey Anderson out there at the right time. It's also a confidence thing. He's working his way off injury uh, and just a, a young player that's still just learning the position, the physicality, the run fits. You'll see him there before long, uh, but I don't think I'd be looking to rush him out there because, again, this is a this is a team you can slow play things. This season, you want to find some things out, but you got what do we have left? 15 more games left this season. You're going to find things out still. You don't have right. to rush it and put these guys in position where you don't think they're quite ready. Yet. And that goes for Anderson. That goes for Ritter. That goes for a lot of these young guys. It, it, it goes back to what I've been harping on, which is you can say when now all you want to, but every move that these guys have made has been for the future. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's not, okay, we're, we're building in the long term to get them out there. I see that. I get that. It's, it looks like it's paid off with Richie Grant. You know, we're, we're not building for this year. We know we won't say it. We won't admit it. And by God, we're going to call you out and and say nasty things about you. If you question that we're not aiming for a super bowl this year, but every move they've made, don't watch what they say, watch what they do. And every move they have made since they've taken over Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot has been building towards 2023 towards 2023 uh that said i'd like to see him out there and what's interesting is he wouldn't be by himself that that's the thing is he wouldn't be out on an island in the middle right there michael walker has still got the green dot and he's calling all the plays and michael walker played 62 snaps while rajon evans played 54 so with troy anderson coming in and getting nine nine snaps i think i could 25 and 25. So there's 61 snaps between the guys. I think I could go 30, 30 between Evans and Anderson and start working them in there a little bit more, a little bit. Like we said with Ebiketti and, and uh, Ogundeji, we saw that two to one split in game one. And then game two, it flipped where it was, where Ebiketti actually had a few more snaps than Ogundeji. I'd like to see that ratio start to come closer to one to one. Yeah, I totally agree with you. We'll see those guys out there. Hopefully you start to see, like you said, Evacetti get out there more. These guys, and especially in positions where it's more rotational across the defensive line. Um, there's always going to be reps there. One of the reasons that I wish you had a young cornerback out there, there's going to be reps there for those guys as well. But uh, alas, that's a position that may be looking for for the Falcons this year. Does seem unfortunate at this point in time, still a lot of season to go. There doesn't seem to be a slam dunk uh, cornerback at the top like we had the last two drafts uh, where we've had some guys who are really talented up at the top, but we'll see uh, Dave coming in saying free agency should be bringing supplements for the roster, not splurging. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Now, if you can bring somebody in, that's a difference maker because of the core you already have. I think that's a great way to go, um, but it's because you're already in a great position. It's, and somebody's like, Oh, I want to go see what's going on in Atlanta. I want to go catch passes from that guy, or I want to go be a part of that defense. I think you can splurge a little bit then, but <clears throat> your core should always be built through the draft. Um, <clears throat> so we talked about before with this team, I think there were, how oh, I could look it up. I've got, I've got it open right now. So um, on spot rack, go to uh, with all of the missing players out there, as far as 
how much money is not on the field. There's only six players making four, making four million or more on this team. Only six. Uh, when we played the Saints, the Saints had 12. So uh, when I say splurge, it depends. Again, those are relative terms. I don't want to splurge and try and go get a $15 million safety to replace Eric Harris. What I do want is maybe some more five to $7 million competent professionals in there, some good pros. And with a hundred million dollars, I could add 25 of those guys. I've only got six of them now. (laughs) I could add 25 of those guys on this team. That won't happen. But if I were to take 10, $10 million guys, and sprinkle them into this roster. How much difference would that make? If I didn't have to put Eric Harris out there, if I wasn't relying on a, a you know Ogan Deji right now, but I could have another good pro in that spot. If I wasn't having to use a converted right tackle at left guard, and I could put in a solid eight million dollar guard at left guard, um, you know, or I didn't have to rely on the Hennessy. Uh, Dolman, and maybe I can get a center, all those things, but it should give you the flexibility to fill a couple of those gaping holes. Casey Hayward is solid. He's, he's old. Mm-hmm. He's old. Maybe I can go get two more cornerbacks at 10 million each. I mean, the possibilities, Yeah, right. you know, not to mention the draft where I don't constantly have to shop off the Chicago bears waiver wire to fill out my roster. Yeah, no, it's uh Things are going to get better uh, in Atlanta. This season's going to be rough, but uh, no doubt the this is just the beginning of the right direction here. And I think you got the right head coach in there as long as he just playing maybe a little bit more nice with the media. The relationships <laughs> already a little bit uh, strained, but we got Terry coming in here. Terry Ocean Boy Martin Jr. with the uh, the Falcons here. So and we're sure. again we talked earlier. We we're looking for a breakfast morning themed uh, Falcons show. I liked early bird talk. Um, I saw that one earlier from Albert Knoppers singing flapjack Falcons is fun as well. Um, just kind of silly, but uh, yeah, if you guys have anything like that, it'd be a good one. In the old day, the Falcons used to be called the Coons, you know, and yeah. that was the Falcons. Uh, and that wasn't, I'm not going that way though, anymore though. It's too, too, too sensitive. That was, it was an old, uh, it was not racially motivated, <laughs> but everything Racking. these days is you can't, you can't do something like that, but coffee with the, and I'm like, no, can't do that one. I wouldn't do that one. No. Yeah. Can't, can't do that one. Um, but yeah, there's, there's lots of things to do. Terry, glad to see you in here last Monday. He had the broken heart in there as one of his emojis. So it looks like the red and black Terry is feeling better. Good. Um, I think uh, I'm, I'm happy for that. And Mark Turner says, considering our cap problems, we have a pretty damn good team. I agree. That's the thing that is I've been harping on with expectations and with Arthur Smith acting like a child. One, set your expectations. This is a team that's in trouble. There we go. I think Slappy Tom has it. Breakfast, Breakfast with the birds. the birds. That makes us birds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll figure it out. I like that. But the early bird, something like that makes sense. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll go through a rebrand here. And sponsors, if you want to sponsor our rebrand. Um, the... the the team that they've put out to out there with half a roster is is competitive. That is hard to do. That is a credit to Arthur Smith. That is a credit to Terry Fontenot. That is a credit to the 69 men on the practice field and doing it and the men and women that have done the scouting to make this happen because this team financially is a freaking disaster. It's a disaster. And yeah. it will get better. God, it's almost done. That's why the Jake Matthews one scares me. Before we get out of here, I promised a uh, I promised a prediction. Uh, going to Seattle, back-to-back West Coast road games. They didn't travel both times. Thank you for the correction on that. That makes much more sense. Uh, I like it when people do things that make sense, which is not travel 12,000 miles in seven or eight days. Um, but it's a tough place to play. It is. It's a tough place to play. They were embarrassed last week. You're on the road. Two-point underdog. How about a prediction? I think the Falcons are going to come out and win this game, personally. I think the Seahawks, they won their Super Bowl. They had a letdown last week. And that genus, without the miscommunication broken plays, uh, that the Broncos win that one easily, even with the fumbles. Uh, so I think this is a Falcons team that's much more spunky and talented than the Seahawks roster. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Falcons winning this one. 
27 to 13. I think they're going to wow, win this one. That's a lot I, of points. Yeah, I think they're going to put it up. I I don't think the Seahawks team is very good. Uh, AE comes in. He says 27, 16 Falcons. Um, I'm 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 a, a a pessimist, and I've come by it honestly. Like I said, I was born in Cleveland. I grew up in Atlanta. It's there's a reason I'm a, a cynical sob. Uh, I, I think the road weary Falcons on the road. Um, they've dodged the injury bullet so far, and there hasn't been a lot of that. I think I don't think it's going to come out as a win. I like 17 to 16. I like the under in this one. The over under is 42. And I'm going 17, 16 Seahawks. And again, I like the under. I won't be surprised that the Falcons can win this one. But if I got to pick one, I'm going to go with the home team on this one, which is uh, and stick to my guns that the bad teams that the Falcons are playing for the most part are on the road, mm-hmm. which makes the schedule so much tougher. So I'm going 17, 16, um, 17-16 Seahawks, and we'll be happy to come in on Monday morning and, and, and eat some Seahawk crow on, on Monday morning after the game. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be a good time. And uh, a little bummed you're not coming out, but I guess I'm, I'm going to be gone anyway, Scott. So what can you do? And also, there you're going to be busy in the uh, in Denver uh, enjoying the, the Mile High Huddle meetup. So uh, probably got to wrap it up. I got to go pick up groceries here. Um, but uh, we got Nathan coming up. 31-24 Falcons. There we go. A lot of points again, but That's a lot of points. He's counting on some pick sixes and some special teams. I just don't think either of these defenses are very formidable right now. Um, yeah, but, but the offenses are not also not I mean, formidable. How how yeah. is you know if they score twenty four points, you know the Seahawks haven't scored an offensive point in six quarters. That's true. I think the Forty ers Broncos, uh, Saints, and. Was who was the other team? The Rams probably have top, you know, twelve defenses. So yeah. I could see it kind of mm-hmm. evening out here a little bit. Right. But, but, uh, but you know, twenty five, twenty five is still a lot of points. That's why I think yeah. you know mid teens. But we'll see. Again, mm-hmm. looking forward to that's that's why we're going to play the game. So anyway, yep. thanks everybody for being here. We went a little over an hour today. One of the reasons because of y'all in the chat, and uh, certainly appreciate you being here. It makes the show so much more fun. Thank you to Addison who came in with our super sticker today, coming in with the. Uh, some support for the show a reminder that that uh stars and super chats and super stickers are a good way to help support our soon to be renamed forging the falcons morning show so um on that note i guess we will see you tomorrow nick and i will be back on mile high huddle tomorrow on broncos for breakfast as we take a look at the broncos and who the broncos playing i'm already getting confused 49ers speaking of 49ers speaking of 49ers so yeah um will be a uh, lot of lot of crossover here a lot of crossover here so on that note thanks again everybody for being here leave a like a subscribe and a share on your way out and if you're watching after the fact go ahead and do that and if you're catching this on one of your podcasts and you can always find us on falconspod.com or falconspodcast.com we're everywhere man no excuses no excuses this weekend time for the birds to go get a win so until next time uh we will see you back here next week it will not be at the regular scheduled time but i will figure out when that's going to be and make sure that you're following us on twitter at scout kennedy and at nick kendall so you can get all the right information so thanks again for being here and we'll see you next week